three, two, one, go. And so my question to you is the question that was posed to me in my uh, Pentateuchus narrative class. Like, is, is, the, is the Torah all of the laws of Israel? I don't think so. Welcome to the Live with PB&J podcast. This is a podcast specifically for the United Baptist Church family, where you get to hear me, Pastor Benjo, and my boss, Pastor James, chat about a range of topics, from theology to culture to studies, movies, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Pastor James and I are both passionate about the study of the Bible, and we hope that in some way this podcast helps you navigate your Bible just a little bit better. To put it another way, we hope that this helps you see Jesus a little more clearly. With that said, let's hop into this week's episode. Thanks for listening. You always wanted to be more close for comfort. Um, too close for comfort. Um, I mean, with that, I think we should just yeah, head off. Um, episode one, we talked about Old Testament, and we talked about what the law is. We talked about the Hebrew and the Greek words for the law, and it was all in anticipation about the second half, which is talking about the prophets, talking about Jesus and Paul and uh, New Testament Christians, Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus and what they had to wrestle through in relation with the law. Um, What are we supposed to do now with the laws being uh, New Testament Christians? Um, Yeah, so that's it. So uh, Israel has failed to fulfill the law Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we get the prophets, right? And they're all looking back at Israel's failure. And they're trying to explain to the people of their day why what is happening, why the exile, why the the war is happening. And they come to the same conclusions that Moses came to throughout the prophets. The most important figures who address those things are the two prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. They're contemporaries, and they live through the exile of Israel and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Um, And they both said that all this horrible stuff is happening because of Israel's rebellion and disobedience. And they said if there's going to be any hope for the future, um, which they believe there was, it was their deep, profound hope that there was hope for the future, then it was uh, for Israel and for God's purposes in the world um, and for God's people, then the human heart would need to change. Mm -hmm. It would need to undergo some fundamental transformation or healing. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the New Testament, when it talks about the law, it's very close relation to the heart, Mm -hmm. almost a reflection of Moses. Mm -hmm. So Moses' metaphor, do you remember Moses' metaphor when he talks about the heart in the the Torah? Remind me. He uses two. So he uses, in Deuteronomy, the hearts need to be circumcised. Okay. And uh, then he also calls it a hard heart, that okay. the, the heart of stone needs to be turned to a heart of flesh, which Ezekiel will pick up. And we're Jeremiah. Uh, yeah, yeah, well. yeah, uh-huh. Jeremiah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, that's the tor- So that's the, it's an odd metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
But anyway, so Torah, so Israel has, be, uh, Israel has become like Pharaoh mm -hmm. in both Moses and the prophets' minds. So it's not a compliment. A hardened heart. A hardened heart. And so mm -hmm. Moses' solution is that metaphor in Deuteronomy 30, where, um, which says that God will circumcise your heart so that you can love and follow him, which is strange. Mm -hmm. um, uh, do you recall that metaphor now, or do you recall that passage? I, I don't recall it off the top of my head, but I, I don't know if, if this question does make sense to you. God who knows all things, if he, knowing that what, not just the people of Israel, but what man needs is not just the circumcision of the flesh, but the heart, and that they needed to have a soft heart instead of a hard one, why not he not just give it to them? Why does he have to speak through somebody like Moses, yeah. knowing the predicament of his covenant people? Yeah, those are really great questions. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's almost like, I, I wonder if that was going through Moses' mind too. Mm -hmm. I, I think he actually does ask that question. Would that the Holy Spirit come on mm -hmm. all of these people that mm -hmm. they could all prophesy? I think, yeah. um, I think that's a similar question that Moses would ask. When Joshua was jealous for him, mm -hmm. why, why somewhere... Yeah able to yeah on. exactly and so um with that i think i think since the 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 kind of the chain of evidence i don't know if that's the best metaphor but the chain of events is that you have the old testament and the failure of the of of israel mm -hmm. and the reflection of moses and the prophets mm -hmm. that there has been a failure and the solution in the prophet's mind and in moses's mind has to do with uh the change, the fundamental change of the human heart, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Hebrew concept of heart, which may have you may have, if for the listeners of this podcast, you may have heard a definition of the heart coming from this church, or maybe just from wherever mm -hmm. you read or wherever you hear. Um, but I want to have a conversation with Pastor James about the the Hebrew notion of the heart. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so let's talk about that. The Hebrew word heart, are you familiar with it? I'm only familiar with the cardia word, which is okay, in, the in, Greek, yeah, in Greek. Yeah, the Greek word. So, much the, the so in Hebrew, um, you have a word that's, it's lev. Okay. okay. Lev. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, are you familiar with the concept of it? No, refresh all yeah, so, um, the So the concept of heart is a little bit more than what it means to us in English. Mm -hmm. um, heart is usually center of emotion. Mm -hmm. It's not like the human heart. Yeah, it, okay, emotion. so not at the anatomical heart. Mm -hmm. But in English, when we hear heart, it's a follow your heart, mm -hmm. which is, uh, it's the center of desire and mm -hmm. things like that, and emotions, or, yeah. or you're breaking my heart, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, however, in, in ancient Hebrew, there is no word for brain. Mm -hmm. um, there's no word for brain in Hebrew. So it... The, the, the function of what brain in English or mind in English, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's collected into the, the Hebrew word mm. for heart. So for, in Hebrew, at least, you think, you decide, you feel mm -hmm. all of that in your heart. Okay. So, the, let me cut you off there. So where does it work? And yet mind is separated from the heart. Only in English and in Greek. 
So, but, but then what, where does it say in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind? And strength. And strength. Yeah, so, in, so here, that, that's good. That's okay. interesting. So here's mm -hmm. a fun trivia little thing. In mm -hmm. Hebrew, um, it is um, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, Shema. Mm -hmm. mind, and strength mm -hmm. is only the Septuagint. Oh, really? Yeah, so the Septuagint adds mm -hmm. nous, mm -hmm. the Greek word for mind. Okay. Because uh, uh, heart doesn't contain, cardia mm. doesn't contain the full range of meaning okay. in Greek mm -hmm. that, uh, that it does in Hebrew. Okay. So, which is why Jesus quotes the Septuagint version mm -hmm. of the Shema. Mm -hmm. Because he's, if it's in Greek, Greek readers will need to see okay. cardia and nous. Okay. But whereas in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's not there. Okay. That's, that's a simple uh, um, use of the Septuagint hmm. evidence in the New Testament. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would read it in Hebrew, but it wouldn't matter to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's just something to note. So Jesus adds mine there, or the author of the Gospels will add mine there mm -hmm. as a clarification for, okay. from, Greek, from Hebrew to Greek. Um, so yeah. We think and decide and feel all in our lave in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So a hard heart really is a heart with, it's an it's a image, it's a metaphor mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. a sense of self, stubbornness, pride, and I know what to do, don't tell me what to do. Okay. Right? So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not just an emotional center, but it's also the cognitive center. Um, so that, that's important. Because then... Because then we have to talk about what they think the solution to a hard heart is, mm -hmm. which is the circumcision. Paul will take that up mm -hmm. in, I believe, Galatians, correct? Circumcision Galatians, of the heart? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and so uh, talk to us about circumcision a little bit, in, uh, yeah, at least in the Hebrew Bible, not just as, an, <laughs> as well, a medical my procedure. My understanding of, of circumcision was it was an outward sign. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereby God has made it clear to Abraham that being part of God's covenant people, then you have to have this outward sign as a covenant of his relationship to his chosen yeah. Uh, people. Yeah. And with that, not only was it uh, ordered for every male born into that household, but even the servants yeah. were going to be in that same household needed to be quote-unquote circumcised. Now, in our day, you know, we do it for health reasons. But sure. back then, it was a different thing. For them, it was just an outward sign to remind them that they were God's, quote-unquote, uh, people to whom he made a yeah. covenant with, with Abraham. And he expected him and the rest of the generations to follow after him. What makes you different from the rest of the world from your neighbors, from the pagans, is that you are circumcised. Yeah. But that was external. Yeah, that was external. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you, you use the phrase, it's a reminder that you are what? They were his covenant people. Okay, so for them it was a reminder that it, um, mm -hmm. they were God's covenant people. Mm -hmm. um, it was it's an outward... Interesting. It's interesting because earlier, not, we were talking last time about... Uh, quote-unquote, the Old Testament law, or the Ten Commandments for that matter, was not given until, yeah. until 
Yeah. 19 chapters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to borrow your own words. Yeah. yeah. So 69 yeah. chapters. 69 chapters, I mean, yeah. Um, so there's a... That's, so would you agree with this, that it's a sign that they are God's covenant people? Do I agree with that? Well, that, that is what I think it was portrayed to me. Yeah, a symbol of... So, symbol, so yeah, so you yeah, agree with that. Okay, uh -huh. good. Yeah. We're just on the same page. I just wanted to double check on that. Okay. Um, uh, a fun question, I think, would be, um, that's a male mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. What would that mean for the covenant status of women? Mm-hmm. In, in Boy, that is, that, uh -huh. that, is, that is really interesting. Yeah, because it, um, on the nose, or at least on the surface, um, it would seem that this is a, a, a male-dominated religion. And, mm -hmm. it, and it was, for the most mm -hmm. part. But um, at least this sign, this particular sign, this, the sign of, of membership of covenant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is, um, is a thing that only males can, can yes. don. And and and, mm -hmm. and have. Um, are, what do you think the covenant status of women was? Boy, uh, that, that is tough. That's a tough uh, one, yeah. Because I I don't know if purposefully biblical scholars avoid it. <laughs> oh, I've I've read quite a few. Yeah, I, I haven't come across. Yeah. It. In fact, it has never crossed my mind until up. <laughs> yeah, till now. When you asked me. Yeah. But, but then, I, I, all I know is that uh, every male born into the household on the eighth day, mm -hmm. it has to be, it has to be yeah. done. And yet there's a portion in Exodus because Moses failed to carry that out. I don't know what you think about that, that uh, uh, God was about to, to take the life of Moses. Yeah. And, and, and his wife says to him, you're a man of blood to me. Yeah. I don't know what that all is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's interesting. That so, is a challenging so maybe, message. Tell me what, well, I'm going to throw back the question to you to answer your own question because I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. How the, the female in the household was considered in light of the circumcision, which is yeah. more like a male thing. I think when you read forward in Old Testament, it's not absolutely clear. There are ancient and actually current people who practice female circumcision. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, ancient peoples have done it. Um, it's usually not uh, good <laughs> for those for the for those individuals, but it's done. There's no evidence that that the the ancient Hebrew people, ancient Israelites, had done such a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but in their texts themselves, there's a notion that that um, there's the circumcision, um, but then there's the circumcision of the heart, okay. right? Paul will say, mm -hmm. "All many are Israel, but not all are Israel." Correct. Which is Romans. a very yeah, which is a very confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, Paul, a great yeah, that. yeah, that's a very mm -hmm. that's a very confusing thing. But Paul is thinking Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. Paul is thinking Deuteronomy, where there's many people who are Israel who are circumcised, but many people are not circumcised, mm. they don't have the circumcision of the heart. Although they had that circumcision, but their heart was hardened. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the, uh, but some have the circumcision of the heart. Sure. And so that's, um, I think that leaves room for, okay, there's, a, there's an ancient Israelite thread of thought or flow of thought that, that has room for um, what some might call spiritual Israel mm -hmm. or, or true Israel. Okay. Um, and so that, I think this is really interesting because Moses's idea is many so all of these people would have been physically circumcised yet at the end of Deuteronomy 
he's saying that the, it, these people are not, they're not going to cut it when they cross over the Jordan. So uh, the, the, the sign, so the heart is the center of will, emotion, and thought, and decision-making, volition. And the, uh, the circumcision is the sign of the covenant membership of God, mm-hmm. God's covenant people. So, and that has its origins, like how you had referenced, in the original Abrahamic covenant, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before the giving of Torah proper, the 613 laws. Um, and so God's promise to Abraham was to take one guy who can't have kids and then turn it into a nation mm-hmm. like sand in the mm-hmm. desert and uh, stars That's in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so Israel um, was uh, supposed to mark the male organ with a symbolic removing of skin mm-hmm. as a symbol of their fruitfulness mm-hmm. to reproduce as a gift from God. So, mm-hmm. so Moses is merging these metaphors of the taking away of something, the skin is a sign, and the heart being the center of the will, feeling, and choice that Moses, I think, is, is getting at there's something fundamentally wrong with the heart that needs to be cut away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to have some serious removal of the heart, metaphorically. That, um, that's the metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Something's fundamentally wrong with our moral sensibilities, our pride, our will and decision-making. And so there's a part of our humanity that's so corrupted that it needs to be removed, mm-hmm. right? That the, right? That the stone heart needs to be melted away by the outpouring of the spirit mm-hmm. and a, a, a flesh heart. Or, or the foreskin soul or heart. Yeah, say, which is yeah. a really <laughs> weird way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, that's Moses' metaphor. That's not mine. So um, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's really interesting, right? That, the, the, that Moses does a subtle... Uh, m- metaphoric merging of images. Um, yeah, so this is, now that he's had an encounter with, with uh, 40 years of human unfaithfulness in the desert, mm-hmm. in the wilderness, Moses is now convinced that there's something uh, desperately wrong with the heart. Uh, yeah, the, I, not, you don't really get a lot of reading. I'm sure you've noticed that you don't get a lot of a ton of reading about the circumcision and not, not so much. Not but, so but, much. But you you pick something along the the way as you read scriptures, especially yeah. in, the, in the narrative of what what's taking place there in the book of Genesis. It seems to me that uh, in that circumcision there was some pride in there that they were gods. Uh, covenant people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you recall, when when Jacob, together with his twelve sons, were making their way back, uh, coming from their uncle's land, and so it took his two wives, two maids, from where the twelve sons came. Uh, well, not twelve, eleven at the time, because uh, until much later, you know, Benjamin. Came yeah. And but but uh, remember, there was a pl- a plan there where 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 you know. Uh, one of their sisters was, yeah, was abused. Was abused and, and uh, well, she was raped. They were angry and, and saying you know, they looked at them as uncircumcised. You know, yeah. anybody who was uncircumcised was just you know bad. And you know, even David's words, you know, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? So there was something there about the word circumcision. Yeah, yeah there was a, there was an elitism that was yeah. running through the minds. Mm-hmm. But er, very early on, got the meaning as to why that was. If yeah. you were God's covenant people, then, then it was you know you, you there was some 
obedience expected. Yeah, and ob yeah. obedience primarily will look like, at least in the Abrahamic covenant, mm -hmm. that I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse mm -hmm. you, um, but through you all the families of the nation will be blessed. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because there is the, 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 the rape of Dinah, mm -hmm. right? The, mm -hmm. the Dinah, the sister. The sister. Um, but then uh, they end up using the sign of the covenant as a deceptive tool. Right? They, like they, yes, it is. Because yeah. said, you know, we will only allow you to marry into our family. If all of your men, all your men get, yet, get uh, circumcised. They were in pain, you know. Yeah, he, he, he said, it's ouch. Yeah, yeah, for a very long time. And he kills, he he kills ki they, 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 ki yeah. they kill all of them. Annihilates them. Uh, yeah, and so that's quite, uh, quite, um, there's a history. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a lot of usage of, of uh, it, it's, it's a loaded word. Mm -hmm. So for Moses to then pick it up and talk about, the heart as as at the beginning of Torah the hard heart belonged to Pharaoh mm -hmm. an evil king who would kill children and call that good yes. um, and at the end of Torah it's Israel who is who has a hard heart correct um, mm -hmm. yeah and, and so there's there's a there's a development in the story at least for Israel um, the prophets pick up on this. The prophets pick up on these on these metaphors that Moses uses, and they they reiterate it, but also they they shake it up a little bit. Um, so Jeremiah says that one day God will renew the covenant, and He will write the laws of Torah on the hearts, on the hearts of uh -huh. on the hearts of His people. So Israel won't even need pri priests or teachers anymore, um, because they would follow the laws that are written on their heart. And Jeremiah says that they all will know me, mm -hmm. and I'll remember their sins no more. So there can be, so there's going to be a great act of forgiveness mm -hmm. um, um, with all of this real rebellion, and this and finally the rebellion of Israel will be dealt with because uh, the Torah will be so intimately tied to their mm -hmm. heart, <laughs> um, uh, and it, finally it'll be dealt with, and every Israelite will have this internal law where love for God and obedience to God, at least metaphorically, will become second nature. They won't need, mm -hmm. they won't need uh, priests or teachers anymore. Uh, the Spirit is going to be there. Yeah, well, at least for Jeremiah, it's because the, the Torah is written on the heart. And so the question for us is, what, when did that, did that happen? When will it happen? Is, what's the Spirit's role in that? So, but that's Jeremiah's hope, right? Ezekiel then has another hope, where he actually picks up the hard heart metaphor of Moses and says that God's going to remove your heart and give you a heart of flesh. Okay. Um, and then, uh, then what will happen is that God's own life, the spirit is going to come in and animate you, mm -hmm. which is um, using spirit to remind you of Genesis 1, mm -hmm. right? The, yeah. the hovering, over yeah, hovering over and then bringing life. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but that's the, the, the hope. Just like the spirit in God's breath and personal animating mm -hmm. life um, in, in Genesis is present, it's going to be present in humans, mm -hmm. which will allow them to love and obey God, mm -hmm. um, and, God's, and bring about God's creative power. So that will bring about fundamental change in the moral compass. Mm -hmm. So similarly, the, the metaphors are now parallel, that there's Jeremiah's... Torah on the heart, mm -hmm. and then now there's the new heart of flesh that will be animated by the Spirit Correct. for Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And so, um, 
there's now those three metaphors for the relationship of the human heart and God is that there's a circumcision of the heart. There's the heart transplant, essentially, right? The Ezekiel's hope. And then there's the writing of the law, mm-hmm. which is calling towards the writing. It, it's supposed to remind you of the, the, the etching of the commandments on stone. Exactly. Uh, except for it won't be on stone this time. It'll be on the heart. Mm-hmm. And those uh, are three really great metaphors to try and dwell on and wrestle through. I, I, I wonder what your um, impressions are on those now that we've kind of labored to set them on, on, on parallel to be examined together. First of all, obeying God's commands is an impossibility. And attempting to do so will not soften your heart, but will only harden it. Yeah. And run away from it. Yeah. And you will do the opposite. Yeah, we saw that in Pharaoh. Correct. Mm-hmm. Where Pharaoh would harden his own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there are times that God hardened his yeah. heart, and there are passages that says that well, yeah. he hardened his own yeah, heart. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And, and why is it that uh, before Moses received the, those laws uh, in Mount Sinai, and thunder and lightning up there, and the people were so afraid, and they said, you know, we'd rather that you speak to us. Don't, don't let God speak to us, lest we die. Mm-hmm. Uh, it amazes me that some people would say, well, you know what, uh, had I been there, you know, uh, it would have been something great mm-hmm. to listen to God's voice. I said, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a kind of a historical yeah. snobbery, yeah. I think. Yeah. We can become very, we can fail to see ourselves in the failures of uh, our forebears. Yeah. Um, and, and yet here's the thing, uh, talking about the hardness of the heart and why it needs to be circumcised is, I wonder how the people of that day had seen the power of God in Egypt. They were protected and yet uh, they were provided for in that wilderness and yet unbelief was king. Uh, They got into a little trouble, either stone Moses or let's go back to where we came from. That's that's their way of saying now we don't need this rescue operation from from Egypt. We were better off there. Mm Uh, well, it doesn't say so much about, it, it doesn't display the hardness of their own heart. And that's why, yes, radical surgery is needed. Yeah. That's the only way to mend, that's the only way to yeah. mend it from becoming a hard heart to a soft heart, there where they will reciprocate to God's yeah. uh, commands. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah. Why it is a must need. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And yet, that story doesn't even end because in Romans 9, 10, and 11, you know, you were talking earlier about not all Israel is Israel. And and why is that? And and Paul talks a great deal about national Israel and why the church was used by God uh, to to provoke jealousy to them. You know, why why is God dealing thus with us? And why, why is he, you know, more predisposed to the church. And, and yet Paul warns the church, he said, you know what, don't be arrogant or don't be puffed up, you know, because God is just is using you for a time, but he's not yet done with his covenant people. So that's the way I would yeah. interpret it. Yeah. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the prophets do a really good job, Moses, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. They, there are other prophets there who also uh, 
riff on this theme, but for sake of time, we'll mm -hmm. look at those three. Mm -hmm. There's something that they have their finger on, it seems, mm -hmm. is that there's a fundamental change that needs to happen in humanity, which I think folks are familiar with, whether or not they're familiar with the relationship of the law and things like mm -hmm. that. People mm -hmm. know that there's something wrong with humanity that's got to change, and mm -hmm. which is why many turn to religion. Um, uh, but I think there's maybe an underdeveloped concept for us here on what that change will look like and mm -hmm. what it did look like. Um, and I, 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 part of it is, is growing up for me is that when you stop and think about it, the older you get, the more you have of your own personal moral history. Uh, okay. uh, meaning you have a moral track record and as you get older, you have a longer track record. Um, like you have your own failures to look back on, your own mistakes, things you wish you would have done differently, mm -hmm. or you start to notice things that you feel like you should be doing but you don't find yourself doing, mm -hmm. and all the dreams you had about the kind of person you wanted to be in your 20s. Um, and we all have those notions. Mm -hmm. We all have a kind of uh, person, uh, a lack, we, we, have all, we all have a sense of a lack of moral willpower. Mm -hmm. We know where, our, where we trip up and we know that we can do well sometimes, but we know that we can't do it perfectly unless you're a narcissist. Well, uh, and the guilt continues yeah, to pile up. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we can't do it perfectly and certainly not consistently. And I think that's what the story is. I think the human condition is, is a, a, a gradual wrestling and coming to terms with, mm -hmm. I am inadequate to be a good person all the time, or I'm inadequate to be the... A, a, falling short. Yeah, falling short. Mm -hmm. um, and so all these images of the circumcision of the heart, the transplant, the writing of the law, it's putting their thumb uh, on something that you actually don't have to be religious to know. If you're honest. Sure. If you're honest, yeah. Sure. yeah. And th there are many honest people who mm -hmm. don't, mm -hmm. um, who, who know that there's something wrong. And maybe yeah, they're... And they, and they will be the... Yeah. I mean, I can't live up to that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Honest, yeah. yeah, and so... Uh, mm -hmm. You don't actually have to be religious to know that there's a deficit of some kind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to love and justice and goodness. Um, and the Bible also recognizes that. But the Bible offers, I think, a, a unique diagnosis mm -hmm. saying that that's the core of the problem. Mm -hmm. And Torah, the point of Torah is to show you that, right? In Ezekiel, I mean, sorry, in Ephesians and in Romans, mm -hmm. It's, it's about mm -hmm. the, that, that, that notion of the law. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known sin if it weren't for the law, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and, and it drives you up the Yeah, it, you know. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and which is a really challenging part of Romans to read, mm -hmm. but Romans is very ecstatically reading mm -hmm. his, his Hebrew Bible. So, um, and so the, the, the Torah's thesis statement is that there's something fundamentally wrong, and by the end of Torah, you get a little bit of a, of a trajectory that God is doing something to fundamentally address that. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Bible was aware of it in Genesis, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Correct. There is something in the garden, mm -hmm. and then there was also something at mm -hmm. the calling of Abraham mm -hmm. that God was already on the move. Mm -hmm. um, so, something that might frustrate folks is that when they read Torah, it doesn't just come out and say what it's about. No, it right. Show, it it yeah. actually unfolded in almost the most frustratingly long-winded way. Um, Somebody made the observation, and and what he did uh, was to point out the sin motive, beginning from Genesis all the way to mm. Malachi. 
I, I mean, I said, wow. I said, are you able to do that well? He said, it's, an, it's been an ongoing pattern yeah. of God's people. And, and part of the reason, uh, uh, the role of the prophet, obviously, was to call people back to their God. Yeah. And, and in spite of their, of their uh, pleading with them, they were not afraid of the kings uh, because to them, fundamental to the, to, the, to the success of the nation, it had to begin with the top. That would flow down to the people, but then even the kings failed, uh, which brought them into exile. And like, like you were saying, and again, man, the, the prophets, uh, it was a difficult role they had to play. Yeah, they did. Yes. They had to call out but their it, peers. It was, it was, but, but you're right. Uh, there was always this, this ongoing stubbornness mm -hmm. that just can't seem to, to, to get it. Yeah. The prophets really labored to paint a picture of fat kings mm -hmm. in, in starving people. Um, and uh, starving immigrant orphan and widow. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but the sin motif, as we talk about it, as we notice it, mm -hmm. there, there's some things that just in the way that we read Bible and the way we've been taught to read Bible, mm -hmm. we don't ask the good questions mm -hmm. when we need to. We ask good questions about, the, about Paul and things mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. but um, we don't ask good questions early enough in our reading of the Bible, meaning... There's really good questions to ask in Genesis 1 verse 1. Um, and one of the big questions for the first chapter for the first three chapters of Genesis is this serpent, mm -hmm. this beast thing that talks and seems to know what's going on in the council of the divine and uh, he's got insider knowledge says to Eve, no, 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 no. And that's a really strange thing. Well, that is it for the third episode of our little series on the Torah. Um, we just got into the weeds of talking about the serpent and all that crazy good stuff in the Old Testament and the prophets. So tune in next week for our, the stunning conclusion to the Old Testament um, and the Torah just before we turn the corner to talk about Jesus. Um, we thank you for... Uh, you listeners tuning in and giving us your time and lending us your ears. Um, we hope that you had just as much fun listening to this as we had uh, recording it. See you guys next week.